Hi, this is Honoré Quarter, author of You Must Write a Book, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Gulick. Welcome to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. You are listening to part one of my two-part interview with Honoré Quarter. Honoré is an amazing lady. She has written over 50 different books. She is a strategic book coach. She's a TEDx speaker, extremely well known, and not only in the book writing, but the book publishing world. She's worked with such amazing people as John Rulin, who's been on this particular podcast, with Hal Elrod, and she's been very recently on a podcast that we love around here, the Read to Lead podcast, with Jeff Brown. So, She's got a lot going on, and she goes really deep into what it takes to not only write a book, but what it takes to publish a book and market that book. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my interview with Honoré Corder. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, super excited that you are here joining us either with your listening pleasure or your viewing pleasure. And as you heard from that introduction, I have the one and only Honoré Corder with me. Honoré, how are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. You bet. You bet. So, well, we are honored to have you here today. No pun intended. <laughs> well, pun, pun away. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, you heard Honoré say that she is the author of the book, You Must Write a Book. And we're going to talk all about writing books today and what that process is like, uh, getting it published. We'll talk about marketing stuff. We're going to talk about all those kinds of things. Now, I know she is going to drop something on us later about something that she has coming up, and I can't wait to share that with all of you. But let me tell you about some other things that Honoré is known for. She is a speaker, and to be more specific, she is a TEDx speaker, which is super cool. And correct me if I'm wrong, Honoré, but you have authored more than 50 titles. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Oh, my goodness, folks. That is fantastic. Um, oh, and she probably has two other titles. My suspicion is these are the most important titles to her wife and mom. Yes, I would say that's correct. I would say that's correct. Yes. Well, uh, well, I I would be remiss because they can hear me if I didn't say dog mom and cat mom also. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll include those as well. All right. Excellent. Yes. Now, something that I recently learned about, Honoré, is that you have partnered with Hal Elrod to kind of expand his... Uh, the Miracle Morning, and turned it into a series. I mean, my goodness, when I looked all that up, there are a bunch of those titles. Um, so first of all, how did that even work? How did you connect with Hal, and how did you come to be able to partner with him to create this series? Well, it's the Relationships and Revenue podcast, right? So there has to be a relationship story in there. Um, but I'll take you back to something I talked about in my TEDx speech, which was that if you want something, give it away. And that's been part of my philosophy for about 30 years. If I want something, I know that the law of giving and receiving comes into play. So I start with how can I give away what it is that I want to receive? Mm. The fair question. So one day I was realizing that as an author, what all authors want, everybody, is honest five-star reviews. Mm. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just a fact. Um, and I realized that I was reading an awful lot of books and I was not reviewing the books. Oh. To be fair, um, my 
policy is if I don't have something nice to say, if I cannot be kind, then I am quiet. But if I have something nice to say, if I can leave a four or five star review, then gosh, if I want it, why would I not give it to someone? The next book I read was The Miracle Morning. Mm -hmm. And I read the book and I thought, I've had a morning practice for a really long time. It's so integral to someone's success, in my opinion. And I need to write reviews for this book. So I wrote a review on Amazon and I wrote a review on Goodreads. And Hal will say that he had never looked at his Goodreads reviews, that he had gotten the emails from Goodreads saying so-and-so reviewed your book, so-and-so reviewed your book. But he saw mine for some reason, right? You believe in a higher power, you know, the power of the universe or whatever. He saw it. And after my name was authored the successful single mom book series, and he sent me an email and he said, hey, are you interested in writing the, six, the Miracle Morning for Single Moms? Don't go look up that title. It doesn't exist. And I said to myself, no, I've written six books in that series. I'm kind of done with writing. I feel like I've written everything I wanted to say hmm. for single moms, about single moms, and to single moms. But I also believe that you should always have the conversation. You can always say no, right? but have the conversation. So I said, maybe. Let's have a conversation. And at the end of that two-hour conversation, he said, I think you're the person I've been looking for because I have a series. I want to have a series and you have a series. Would you mm. be interested in partnering to do the Miracle Morning book series? And I said, well, let's do a book in the Miracle Morning book series and see how it goes. And very quickly, we were doing three books in the series. So we were working on the Miracle Morning for Salespeople with Ryan Snow, who was the originator of the series idea in the first place mm. and the miracle morning for network marketers with Pat mm. Petrini. And then the miracle morning for real estate agents pops up, which is actually the first published book in the series. So we did that with Michael Mayer, Michael Reese and Jay Kinder. And that book was first. And then we did salespeople and network marketers in very quick succession and realized that, Hey, there's something here. <laughs> Let's create Let's create, you know, even more books in this series. And so there are, I think, 12 main books in the series and then some additional companion guides, companion products, and uh, the Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations coloring book for adults and kids, which wow. is fantastic. Yes. So the the series grew, you know, in, uh, at the rate of a few, a couple few a year. Um, and then Hal was diagnosed with cancer. So the series has been put on hold, but those books continue to impact the lives of people one morning at a time and sell them in two foreign countries. The books have been translated many, many times in many, many different languages in many countries, which is very cool. And it all started with have the conversation, develop the relationship, see where it could go. And then here we are. Very nice. And folks, you know that, I don't exclusively have authors on the show, but I have a lot of them. And that's because so many amazing people know part of their story needs to get out there. Yeah. And so don't be like so many people and it's die with your story inside you. Yeah. Get it out there because it can help at least one person. I promise you, it can help at least one sure. person. So with that, you did that series, or I would say you're continuing to do it because it sounds like there may be more because I guess what I'm putting out there is that Hal's going to conquer this. He's going to conquer yeah, the cancer he's, he's, and be yeah. ready to move forward and do a that million sort of thing. Percent. So a million I'm sure percent. he's ready to move forward anyway. He's probably like, I am tired of this and it's, let's get moving on. Yeah, definitely. He's doing so well. He's doing so well. 
So one of the things that you do is you help aspiring authors create this thing that to do the the book they've always wanted to do. Yep. Talk to us a little bit about what that process is like uh, to work with you and how do you help these aspiring authors flesh that out? Sure. That's a great question. So I actually have two different ways that I help people and we'll focus on one, but I'll start with the other, which is for a very small group of folks who have more money than time, I actually do the entire process for them, including engage a ghostwriter and quarterback the entire process. So from designing the cover to, I'm not the designer, but from doing the research required to design the cover, craft the interior, write the book, do the pre-launch, do the launch, do the marketing, turn it into multiple income streams. I put my brain on their book as if it's my book. But I only do that a a couple few times a year. It's, you know, it's it's quite a large investment for folks. And it really is for people who are very successful and they are on the top end of valuing their time, right? Mm -hmm. So they they know they need to have a book for whatever it is that they want to do in their life. They just simply don't have time to allocate to it. Okay. For most people, most people um, want to be a little more hands-on or they would consider themselves to be either uh, involved or control freaks, right? And no judgment. <laughs> no judgment. Um, how I help those folks is with um, my book, You Must Write a Book, and I have a companion workbook, I Must Market My Book. A lot of people have read both of those and then sent me their books. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've said, okay, I've, I, I did it from here. This is where my budget started and stopped with reading a book and reading a workbook, right? And then out of that book, once that book kind of got out into the world, um, I had people writing me and saying, I have a question. I have another question. Why don't you do a course? And so I created Publishing PhD, which is to help people go from blank page to published book and to have a basic understanding of how to market their book. In other words, a book at rest is money at rest. A book in motion is money in motion. So you don't want to just publish your book, put it on a shelf and go, check, I'm done. With the assumption you can't make money from a book because you can. And also how to market with your book, Mm. which is, I would say, more than 95% of the folks that come and take publishing PhD, they are writing a book to help them develop new business. So they want new coaching clients. They want new speaking gigs. They want to sell more courses. They want to um, fill their roster in some way. Their law practice, their accounting practice, their, right, whatever it is that they're doing. They want more of that and they understand that a book boosts your brand, helps you to get more business and become the go-to expert. When other people say, oh, I do that, it's like the, a book is a great differentiator. 100% of the time, someone's going to choose an author over a non-author, generally speaking. If all, if all things are equal, if the dossier is equal, but you've got author next to your name, you're going to win, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah, so that process looks like me asking all of the questions in the course, and there's an option for a live Q&A component as well, me asking the questions to provide clarity because my background is a coach, right? And so all clarity comes through great questions. And because I've been to the dance a few times, I know the questions to ask to get the clarity. When someone says, oh, I have a book title, or I know what the contents of my book are going to be. I know what my call to action is. I know what I need to put in the front. And in the back, I think, Do you? Do you really? Or would it be helpful if someone who's been there a few more times asks you the question so that you really make the most of this process? Because let's be honest, writing a book 
is going to sell for the least amount you would ever sell something that yeah. encapsulates all of your knowledge and takes a lot of time. So there has to be a many hands make light work approach to it, right? Like you've got to sell a lot of books or get a lot of books out into circulation in order to to have that end result, that vision in your head. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd, one of the things that I've discovered, first of all, when you start writing a book, it seems like everybody you meet is an author after that. Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's no joke. I, I bet you in this process that I've been in writing it, we won't say how long it's been. It's, it's no embarrassing. Joke. It's embarrassing for me. Ah. But the point I'm trying to make is I bet I know over 500 authors right now. Easily. Easily. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've discovered with a lot of these folks is I don't know if it was on purpose or not. It seems like it was kind of on purpose. But I'm not 100% sure, I guess, because I'm afraid to ask them. But they get the book done. It's out there. It's published. But they think of it like it's a uh, business card. It's like, this is how they introduce themselves, but they don't do anything else with it. And I'm like, why did you put all that effort in if that's all you're going to do with the book? I mean, I you could have you could have slapped something together in Canva and had that done no problem and not wasted all that time. I, I mean, do you see that happening a lot? Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. I see a lot of rush publishing or mm. people who spend a lot of money to get something done and it's not done as well as it could be, which breaks my heart, right? Because when someone it buys into a process or a program or a person who doesn't know all of the things, right? So then, they, so then their book is not optimized or monetized. So we can talk about those things. Yeah, please right? do. Tell us um, about that. Yep. Yep. Or, um, or it just sits there because they're not sure what to do with it. They don't have an action plan. So we, I can break all of those down. So optimization is creating the author reader relationship, which a lot of authors miss because they don't know what front matter is or how to optimize it so that they're creating a relationship with the reader right off the bat. You've written this book, you put your heart and soul and time and money into a process and you're spending time with someone in your book. And so your book is meant to be a uh, hi, nice to meet you. Let's let's get acquainted, mm -hmm. right? It's to bring them into your ecosystem so that they right. can have a relationship with you, right? So, well, as you uh, said before, it's probably the least expensive way someone enters your circle. Correct. So it's either free or low low investment, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a few dollars or twenty dollars. Let's say they go for the the fancy hardcover, you know, version or the paperback version. It's still going to be twenty thirty dollars at the most. But that's not a lot for all of your knowledge and expertise, right? You would, if someone asked you to meet for an hour of coffee and wanted to pay you 30 bucks, you'd be like, hell no, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. So, so optimizing the book allows you in the process of the opening of the book and throughout the book to create that reader-author relationship. And, and on the author marketing side, you're going to call that exchange of information for an email address, right? So with this book come bonuses or I do a newsletter or something like that. So the shy yes, right? Which is like, mm. I'll I'll give you something if you give me your email address. Kind of like, right. I don't know if I like you. I don't know if I, I don't know you. I don't know if I like you. I don't know if I trust you, but I'll give you my email address. I might unsubscribe, right? It might be our first and only date, but let's see how it goes. I, as an aside, have signed up for email lists and then have gotten so many emails that I'm, I, I can't, right? So then I just go, <laughs> nope, too much, too often, too many, gotta go. Not enough value, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. The optimization piece allows you to start the relationship. The monetization piece really begins 
at the end of the book where if someone gets all the way through your book, they like you. And they're interested at least in knowing, not having shoved down their throat, but at least in knowing what else it is that you have to offer, especially, and I'm talking nonfiction books, right? Where it's you're helping someone to um, either avoid pain or gain pleasure, right? You're either helping them to avoid um, some sort of problem or, or mistake or missed opportunity or gain wisdom and capitalize on an opportunity or both. Sure. So if they get all the way through your book, they're like, well, gosh, that John seems like a nice guy. What else What else can I do? What else is he doing? I'm interested now. I like him. I like him. I signed up for his bonuses. I'm on his email list. We've started a relationship. What else can, you know, what does date number two look like? What's date number three look like? What's a longer term engagement look like? What does that cost? How do I get there? So that's the monetization piece. When books are published, most of the time, people miss that. That you just jump right in. There is the beginning of the book, the, the contents of the book, and then about the author. Yeah. And it's like, but, or maybe find out more at johnhewland.com, right? But it's then I got to go, then I've got to work for it. It's like, give me a hint. Give me a hint yeah. of what other things, of what other ways that we can engage if I'm interested in it. Not everybody's interested in it, but some of them are. I read Awaken the Giant Within in the early 90s and ended up at a, a UPW and un Unleashed the Power Within. Mm. Uh, with Tony Robbins, right? Because that was yeah. in the, the book. It was like, you know, find out when when we're having a UPW. And the timing was amazing. It was like the next week after I had discovered the book in a bookstore, wow. signed up for it, went to UPW, life changed, all the things. Because back then it was understood that the end of the book is the, be is the real beginning of the relationship, mm. right? Sure. And so that's the optimization and monetization piece. So I do see a lot of missed opportunity with books. And that's not even like how to get your book in motion, mm. right? It's like, get your book in, in motion, get it out there marketing. So there's a lot of mis, um, misunderstood or, or misperception about what the publisher is going to do if someone, well, I want to get a book deal because then the publisher will sell my book. The publisher will handle getting it out there. The publisher will handle distribution. And for a select few, they do. They push really hard. They engage a PR firm. They do all of the things. But for you and me, John, we have to be a little more scrappy-doo about the whole thing. <laughs> for sure. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, You know, I have had so many friends who wanted to write a book, um, and they pursued the, the more traditional types of publishing. Sure. sure. Well, first of all, because that's all they could think of. Correct. And I'm like, okay, First of all, you need to understand if they accept your manuscript, which is highly unlikely, but if they do, you're going to be lucky on a $15 book if you make $2. Lucky. Correct. Because they're going to get the vast majority and they're not going to market your book for you. They do not market your book. I actually now have traditionally published authors who consult with me or take my course mm. because they understand that they are responsible for it. And honestly, that's why the traditional publisher published them anyway, because it's a business. They right. go, John has a big following. He has a million downloads on his podcast. He has 150,000 people on his email list. Of course, we're going to give him a book deal because he's going to sell books. If you can right. sell books, you don't need a publisher. And if you can sell books, um, then all you need is to understand how to professionally publish your book and get it into the hands of prospective readers. All you need to do, right? I said it like it was like it was simple. 
Um, and it is a little simple. It's actually not. It's actually not complicated. I have a few filters to run marketing through, but it's it's the part is that what nobody wants to hear. It's like being in in good shape or being wealthy, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Buy low, sell high, invest in things you understand. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Publish professionally. Talk about your book all the time. Good luck. It'll be fine. Right. And so there's so much fine print and so many nuances to it. Mm -hmm. That's where that's where I think people get stuck. And honestly, it's to be fair, we're thousands of years into having books and only a, a short time into people really understanding the power of a book or how to execute on the power of a book, how to put it into mm. play. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you been doing this, Honoré? So it's going to be 2023 soon. Mm -hmm. And I published my first book in 04. Wow. So you're coming yeah. up on 20 years. So in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that. I know. Isn't that sweet? Uh, no, almost. Yeah, I'm coming up on 20 years. So the end of 2004, I published my first book. Poorly, poorly, had a fortuitous uh, bit of events that saved me from myself mm -hmm. and my poor self-publishing practice. And I was able to figure some things out. And here we are. But, you know, that's something I talk about on here all the time, uh, how important it is to fail at things, because that's how we learn. You wouldn't know all the stuff you know now if you didn't mess up along the way. <sighs> yes, correct. And I'm and sure you've cost yourself money in the process i'm sure of it well yes well that's the i call the stupid tax right <laughs> <laughs> i like that the stupid tax all right i've paid a lot of stupid tax however i'm now able to say to someone with love no judgment right because i don't necessarily be believe in good bad right or wrong i believe in effective or ineffective like what's effective and what's ineffective okay. and someone who has a harvard education went to harvard law school and wants to write and self publish their book in a weekend not the same brand, right? Not effective because someone's going to look at your book and they're going to judge all of you because that's oh. all they have. What's showing up is what they're what they imagine that you are. Yeah. Right. So my my whole thing is like take the time and money that it takes to do it, and I only know that because that's what I discovered along the way. Yeah. Right. Is like oh, and also once you see it, you can't unsee it. I I was talking to someone. I was talking to someone once and she said, well, give me an example of how you know a book is self-published. And I rattled off three things. And she said, okay, I'm on my way to a book lunch party. And she called me after and she was like, you ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I couldn't unsee these things. And now, now I want to save them. And I was like, save yourself. It's fine. Tell them to call me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Now, you've worked with lots and lots of different people helping folks get their get their message out. Yes. And I, I want to let our listeners and viewers know that a guest we've had on the past, episode 50, was John Rulin, and you have helped him. I have. Yeah. I love giftology. And actually, I just got the cool mug. All the cool kids are getting this mug that's like... Really? Super expensive. The one that comes with the box and the video in it. Oh, wow. And it's a mug about your life. And so Hal sent me the mug and it was like a picture of my cat, a picture of my dog, like books. Wow. And yeah, it's like a, a story about the author. And I know John, I know John's behind it. Oh, I'm sure he is. 
He's behind it. Yes. Man, they come up, his company comes up with the coolest things. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Which, hmm, I'll get, let's see, the wheels are turning. I know folks, those of you who are listening, you can't hear that. And I'm thankful that you can't hear the wheels turning in my head right now. Will, but uh, just got some ideas right now that I'm probably going to share with you offline that may, may be helpful. Great. Okay, perfect. I'm ready. All right. Again, marketing stuff going through my head. Ah. I can't turn that off as an entrepreneur because I've been doing Me neither. it. Me you for over 20 years. I wish I could turn it off sometimes. I really do. You know what? I don't run out of, I don't run out of ideas and I don't run out of things to do. I run out of daylight. That's it. <laughs> Sunset. That. Yes, like, that's so oh, okay. true. I guess I'm done for today <laughs> and I'll start again tomorrow and I'll write down my ideas. I literally have two journals open here and an iPad with Evernote like at all times because I just want to capture them. I may never come back to them. I have more books than I could ever write. I have oh yeah, I have three on my to write list, nonfiction and like 40 on my on my fiction list. So wow. You know, and that's because I had somebody ask me recently. It's like. So the book you're writing, he said, will that be it for you? And I'm like, I don't think so. Oh, like, no. I think I have, I have some more inside me for different things. One of which I don't mind announcing to everybody. Uh, this it, it's not the title. It's, it's the concept of the book. Uh, one of the things that, that I've had a hard time understanding since my divorce, because I've, I've dealt with a number of men who are just extremely angry at their ex-wives. You know, and the, and honestly, the reason doesn't matter, but they're angry. And I never had that. I ah. never had that experience. It wasn't like that for me. Mm. And I, and all of them, without exception, have come to me. It's like, how do you do that? How do you uh. have that kind of healthy relationship with your ex-wife? And so part of me is thinking there's another book in that. It's like, how do I help? And it doesn't have to be just for men. It's like, how do you have a healthy relationship with your ex. Now, I'm sure there's tons of books out there on that, but the ones that I've looked at. I have two books on divorce. They, they, they didn't dig deep into it at all. They, they were very surface level. And it was just, it was honestly, it was kind of frou-frou. I thought there should be like, you know, potpourri in the book or something. It just, there, there wasn't much substance to it. And so I didn't give, I didn't give either of them much credit at all. It's like, mm, no, thanks. I, I wrote two books on divorce. One is if divorce is a game, these are the rules. Mm, mm hmm like that one of those is you know let it go get on with the day for sure right because if you're in this is a total departure from our conversation but my opinion is if you're mad at someone then you're drinking poison and expecting them to die absolutely also they don't care right and then <laughs> well, i'm sure there's somebody and guess what i don't care right i don't remember i didn't do it on purpose you haven't had a conversation with me i have an ex-husband i'm sure he's super mad still from what I hear. Right. So, <laughs> you know, okay. the, the, the word that comes to mind, and again, I realize we're not completely on topic, but it, I wouldn't say it's all the way off topic. Somebody needs Good, to hear Cause this. it's related to relationships. So that's important. Yep. yep. You know, this, this is a word that gets thro thrown out a lot. And I think most people don't really know what it means. Forgiveness. Many people are under the false assumption that, forgiveness means it's completely wiped from your memory once that happened. And nothing could be further from the truth. But when we actively choose to forgive somebody else, it's not for them. That's they for don't us. even know. They don't no, know. and they don't have to know. They don't have to know. Right. Now you can tell them if you want to. Yeah. And you know, that may or may not work out well. 
It might or might not. But if they you may not. do that for you, you're doing it for you. That's the whole purpose. That's so that you can grow from it and move forward. Put the hot I, rock down. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just let that thing go. Because it's all that does is it becomes that bitterness that you were talking about. That's right. That's right. Forgiveness mm. is an inside job. <laughs> Forgiveness is an inside job. Yes. And a lot of times I have found that if I'm mad at someone, I'm double mad at myself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right? So I gotta forgive both of us. Yeah. Me for my mistakes and what I would have done differently or better and them and recognize I think everybody feels like they're doing the right thing. They feel like they have the right opinion. They mm. feel like they have, you know, they feel like they're in the right. Everyone I think is like, well, I'm right, they're wrong. It's like, <laughs> but maybe, but maybe, but you don't have to tell someone. You can fully and freely forgive someone and let them go to their good and you go to your good and be in different zip codes and you never have to talk again. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was the hardest for me in this whole idea of forgiveness, forgiving her really wasn't the hard part. It was forgiving me. That took a long time, a yeah. really long time. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I really got a hold of that concept of forgiveness and what it was really all about, my world changed forever. Yep. It made it so much easier going forward in other relationships with people. My ability to be able to forgive people increased by a factor of you know, like 10 to the hundredth power. It's, it doesn't take any time at all because holding on to it, what good does that do? Is it going to change the situation? Probably not. So nope. I can be upset about it and it's not going to change or I can forgive and move forward and it still may not change, but I'll at least feel better. That's right. You're going to feel so much lighter. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for, for sure. Grudges are heavy. Mm -hmm. Grudges are heavy. For sure. Yeah. Well, folks, this wasn't exactly a direction I was planning on going today, but, but you never know. it Somebody is never a waste. It. Somebody needed to hear it. And if that was you, then I hope that it was helpful. John hopes it was helpful. You can tell us about it. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. I would. So another friend of ours on this show, someone we've had on two times, is Jeff Brown. And I know you were on his show very recently. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff is a very good friend of the show, good friend of mine. Love Jeff to death. Uh, folks, for, if you don't remember, Jeff hosts the wildly popular Read to Lead podcast. Yes. So, and Honoré was on there uh, twice, you said? I've been on there twice. Yeah. Nice. That's Jeff and I met, Jeff and I met here. We both are Net Nashville adjacent. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> yes, we're Nashville adjacent. So we met uh, in town, around town. And I was lucky enough to be invited onto the show. And I love the podcast because I'm a, I'm a voracious reader. Mm. So. As am I. Yes. I have a, a question for you that's kind of been burning inside of me. Okay. Okay. So this, it's, this applies more to nonfiction than to fiction. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So at least on an author's first book, do you recommend that the author be the voice of the audiobook? And if so, why? Oh, well, this is a great I have question. reasons for asking that question. So <laughs> you want to tell me what they are or do you want? Well, me to I'll tell you the biggest one, honest okay. to goodness. And this, this ties in more with my background as a professional speaker, because mm -hmm. I've been doing it for over 30 years, yeah. Honoré. I've been doing it a long time. Yes. And you and I both know this. Just because you have something to say doesn't mean you know how to say it. Correct. I am a communicator snob and I have no problem saying that. None. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so 
I know that there are a lot of fantastic books out there, just like there are a lot of fantastic podcasts, meaning the concept is great. Mm -hmm. But there are an awful lot of podcasts that people beg me to listen to that I get five seconds in and I have to turn it off because the host can't speak, just can't. It's horrible. It's so bad. It's I want to pull my ears off and throw them in the garbage disposal. It's so bad. I call it my ears are bleeding. Thank you. Yes. 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 So, so the answer is there's a there's an argument to be made both ways with a couple of asterisks, right? Okay. Um, do you have experience with speaking and do you have experience with audio? So I happen to be married to a world-class audio engineer. So he oh, here wow. I think How cool. complete, at a completely different level. Yes. Um, however, and this is this is a big thing, right? So someone would say, I have one book that I have narrated, mm -hmm. and I will always only have one book that I have narrated, <laughs> even as a professional speaker as well. So I have a lot of experience with video and speaking and all the things. It's a different level of performance. You are deep in someone's ear canal, so you have to have great audio quality, mm. right? So sure. there are very, very few limitations, although if you want to publish an audio book, ACX and iTunes know this and they make you meet certain quality standards. They won't just let you record an audiobook in your car while you're driving to work in rush hour traffic and just upload it. Right. There's an argument that says someone who reads a book wants to hear a book in your voice. And that's what I've heard. People would always say, oh, I wish you narrated your books because I want to hear you say your words. Yeah. And I finally had the opportunity to do that, had the audio engineer my husband helped me find a studio. I went into the studio. I had a a seven-time Grammy-winning uh, producer put my audiobook together. Exhausting. Yeah. It was well, of course, it doesn't hurt that you live in Nashville. So. Well, that's why. That's why. But it, it was ex the process was exhausting because you can't read chapter seven like you're as tired as you are. <laughs> right. Right. There has to be some continuity of performance. There has to be excellent audio quality, all of those things. And in my opinion, a professional just does it better. So I have had and will always have a professional narrate my book, even though some people are not happy about that. So therein lies some of the other things to think about, which mm. are who's the narrator and how nice is their voice. There's sometimes people are speaking on television or on the radio, and I just have to turn the channel because they're not nice to listen to. They don't they don't give good audio, John. Yes. Their voices are not either lending themselves to being listened to. And it like, listen, I don't know if someone likes listening to my voice, right? So like someone might've heard the first three seconds of me talking and they went, oh no, I'm out. But I, I mean, there's a trainer that I do the workouts of and my husband's like, oh, her voice is just terrible. Mm. And it's just the luck of the draw. It's just the luck of the draw. It doesn't happen to bother me. Right, right. But he's an audio guy. So he hears things, you know, it's like a dog whistles. <laughs> Thanks for listening to part one of my interview with Henri Corder. I hope that you really were able to get something great out of what she shared about what it takes to write a book and what it takes to publish a book. Stay tuned for next week's episode when you'll be able to hear part two and wrap up my interview with Henri. So again, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody.